You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. So, Roger, we are talking today about the marketing campaign that supported this movie called Misery, released in 1990 in the US and 91 in the UK. Let's remind ourselves about this masterpiece with the trailer. You almost died. You have a compound fracture of the tibia in both legs and the fibula in the right leg is fractured too. And as soon as the roads open, I'll take you to a hospital. In the meantime, you've got a lot of recovering to do. There is nothing to worry about. You're going to be just fine. I'm your number one fan. My name is Annie Wilkes. I think one of my clients, Paul Sheldon, might be in some kind of trouble. You mean Paul Sheldon, the writer? Well, everybody sure likes those misery books. They had it at the store, Paul. They said he checked out last Tuesday. Isn't that a little strange? I guess it was kind of a miracle you finding me. In a way, I was following you. You were following me? Oh, Paul, I've read everything of yours, but the misery novels. You must be a good man. You could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery Chastain. Very kind. The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon is dead. You dirty bird. How could you? Misery Chastain cannot be dead. Misery spirit is still alive. I don't want her spirit! I want her! And you murdered her! You don't think he's dead, do you? And don't even think about anybody coming for you, because I never called them. Nobody knows you're here. And you better hope nothing happens to me. Because if I die, you die. I know you've been out. Is this what you're looking for? Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Annie. Whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. Any regards. Shh, darling. Trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. God, I love you. Oh my goodness, Roger. So, <laughs> did it all come back to you? Did you see Misery in the 90s? Yes, we went to the cinema to see this film, absolutely, and it was one of those edge-of-the-seat, pin-drop-type films, wasn't it? I mean, again, we don't want to give the plot away for those of you who've not seen it, but this is definitely a tense film. The suspense that the director builds up in this film as this character tries to just one tries to maneuver himself around the house that he's been imprisoned in and whilst his his captor's out shopping believe it or not and he sort of tries to get out of his room and and and, and wander around the house before she gets back i mean the tension was absolutely palpable edge of the seat stuff 
Absolutely. Interestingly, for international um, viewers and listeners, we have a program in the UK called Gogglebox, which is pretty much <laughs> um, people watching movies and TV programs reacting. And somehow we enjoy watching their reactions. And a few weeks ago, the um, the participants of the Gogglebox program were made to watch Misery. And right. uh, oddly, many of them had not seen it. So they were watching it for the first time. And yes, they jumped out all the, the right places, should I say, the screen, and they cheered on this poor character played by James Kahn, who is a prisoner inside this house, um, being nursed, we think, by the character played by Kathy Bates. And, I mean, even till the very, very last moment, you still don't know whether he's going to be successful. And the tension is truly, truly incredible. Uh, again, one, we find ourselves tricky because if we mention any more about this film, we're going to give too many things away for people that have not seen this. But let me tell you, for example, that this film was um, listed in so many different things. So we had the American Film Institute looking at hundred years of heroes and villains and the character played by Kathy Bates called Annie was ranked number 17 villain in <laughs> over Goodness. you know things so and of course um she won an academy award uh, for her performance which says a lot doesn't it it does indeed yeah and and honestly such a scary scary performance genuinely and she deserves that 17th ranking i have to say you know there are there are certain big villains in bigger films since that aren't as scary as she is um, and I do remember it was the sort of stuff of nightmares you know to see her standing at the bottom of your bed staring down at you saying you dirty birdie wow <laughs> mm. I've got a little confession to make and then we'll move on to the marketing that's okay so we okay. went to see this um, in France it came out on the 13th of February 1991 not your ideal uh, Valentine's Day movie I can guarantee you any of you <laughs> so we went with a group of friends I think we were still at the university at the time and one of our friends got really, really scared by the film. It just got under her skin big time. I mean, we got scared, but after a while, we recovered from it. So we were very, very mean. And what we used to do for weeks on end, honestly, Roger, we used to put pictures of Kathy Bates in her letterbox <laughs> with, a, with a sentence, I am your number one fan. And she really, really was so upset with us, but we thought it was hilarious. Looking back now, oh. I think it was very, very mean. We should have stopped after maybe a couple of times, not just carry on the joke for weeks on end. But you're right, she was so iconic as a villain that people like my, my dear friend and many others would still remember her. Yeah, absolutely. And and she's now gone on to, I mean, she was relatively unknown at the time. Um, mm. She's recently appeared in several seasons of uh, the American Horror Show, um, American Horror Story. Uh, and she's equally scary in, tho in those as well. So she, she obviously tapped into her inner demons. <laughs> very, very true. So this movie came out in 1990, so years before the internet was uh, publicly available to the degree that we understand now. So what we had really was the... Um, you know, traditional, as I would call it, movie marketing pack, and of course, extensive PR coverage in print, media, TV, and, and radio. Can we quickly talk about the poster? Mm. And mm. just pretty much say that's all we had in 1990, 1991, this poster being featured outside of our favorite movie theaters. Yeah, and it's a it's an incredible poster for many reasons there's not much to it is the pascal there's a very small 
house that looks like it's in the middle of the mountains, in the middle of a snow blizzard. But that single image really does sum up how claustrophobic the entire film is and how tense the entire film is. And and let's face it, the majority of the film happens in one room of that house. And yes, the character does get out of the room occasionally and there's a few external scenes, but the majority of the film takes place in that one room. And the poster, to me, sums up that claustrophobic nature. Yeah, absolutely. It's making a wonderful use, you would expect it, of uh, the rule of thirds as well, whereby yeah. the top third, which we'll come on to in a moment, is almost this is the the way to get out, but you are trapped by the mountains, you are trapped inside mm. the house. There's uh, a window with a light coming through, and we can't tell whether it's Gemscan character or Kathy Betts. I was um, reflecting actually on this yesterday. It has some inkling of the 10 Cloverfield Lane poster that you and I reviewed uh, some time ago. and. And I like to think that this maybe was inspiration. And then the title, Misery, it only occurred to me much, much later after watching the film that this is, in fact, a kind of smudge version of a typewriter lettering of, you know, Misery. And then we have the, the characters, uh, well, the, the actors, James Cannon and Kathy Bates, but really prominent at the top of the poster uh, would be the name of the director, the name of the novelist and the name of the screenwriter really popping through the lighter, the top third of the, the poster. Yeah, and and the reason for that, I believe, after doing some research, is that at the time, the movie makers and the marketing people didn't think that James Kahn and Kathy Bates were well enough known to actually carry the film. Um, Now, James Kahn had been around quite a bit um, in his young years. I think he appeared in The Godfather originally, a character called Sonny, um, who met an pretty um scary ending if i believe if i if i remember correctly but he'd sort of i think he had all sorts of personal problems he he turned down a load of film offers for some fairly high profile films that um, went on to be very very successful and he probably regretted turning down to be perfectly honest but by the time misery came along james khan was almost a has-been nobody knew who he was and kathy bates was more of a theater um, star rather than a film star so again nobody knew who she was but director Rob Rayner, who, funnily enough, we talked about in the last episode as the director of The Princess Bride, and he went on to uh, direct some even bigger films in, in later years, was well, very well known. Stephen King, probably at the time this came out, was in his absolute prime, churning out book after book after book, year after year after year. So one of the most famous novelists in the entire world. And, of course, screenwriter William Goldman, very well known as well. And I think that the marketers thought, we actually need to carry the movie on the strength of the director, the novelist and the screenwriter, as opposed to the actual actors themselves. And I think that's really quite interesting. I think it's also refreshing and makes a lot of sense to me in the context of 
marketing uh, a product, mm. you know, put forward the creators, the inventors, not just mm. the, the performers. A bit, and I mean this only because I'm trying to find an analogy, and that might not work. But putting forward, you know, y- y- your sales team for a product that was designed by somebody else, and you need to have at least everybody put forward. Uh, James Can in France was known for yeah, Godfather, maybe Thief as well. But yeah. we had um, in France, we have a lot of film festivals, sci-fi film festival. So do you remember Alien Nation? He was yes. in Alien Nation. Yes. That was a good film. So so we knew him. Nobody knew Kathy Bates, I would argue, in France, bar those who were familiar with her work and TV series and, and theater. But we knew Rob Reiner. People had seen The Princess Bride, Stand By Me. Um, I can't recall whether when Harry Met Sally had been just before, but you know that there was a few things here. Um, William Goldman is a name that I didn't appreciate. Uh, I knew his work as much as I did because he directed, well, he wrote one of my all-time favorite, The Ghost in the Darkness, which I yeah. didn't know was him. But we know that he was also behind Butch Cassidy and the Sandens Kid, uh, all the President's Men, which I must watch again. It was a long time ago. A bridge too far, Roger. I mean, that yes. was my Sunday with my my parents. Chaplin, <laughs> uh, starring a very young Robert Downey Jr. and absolute power, wonderful Clint Eastwood, and the list goes on. Um, he also was a novelist as well as being a screenplay. So I love this idea that in the '90s, the creators were put forward it, almost equally to to the performers. That that's just brilliant. No, and I, and I think it's absolutely right and absolutely well deserved. And uh, although it's very hard in me, to me for me to actually think of another film since where the focus has been as much on the creators as it is on the actual actors themselves. Yeah, you, you've got some exceptions, but um, mm. so as part of the marketing pack, so we we have the poster which we could all, all admire. So. Um, and I've spotted on the internet with something I'd forgotten. It's almost like an Easter egg on the poster, very much like in Ten Cloverfield Lane. Some people play with the contrast, manipulated the picture, which means that if you watch online, where there is a current, on normal posters, this dark face of the mountain almost kind of um, imprisoning the, uh, the little house, if you play with the contrast, the word misery appears repeated over and over again on the the face of the, the mountain, the cliff, leading people to to say there was a link between misery and the shining. Ooh, now when I actually, I actually look at that now, I, I, I didn't notice that before. That is incredible, isn't it? I can see it just there. So what's the link with the shining then? So red is rum, that the mount know, the mountains, yeah. So when his right his wife is checking what he's been working on and all she can see yeah. is red rum repeated red over rum. and over again. And Here over you have again. The, the misery. And then fans mm. of Stephen King and movies saying there's um even when um, Kathy based Annie talks, there's a hint to the hotel in the shining and there's a hint to Pet Cemetery as well. Maybe for others to, to let us know. But just to close on the marketing, as part of the marketing pack, you know, you and I are very fond of good strap lines. Sometimes they're just mm-hmm. like an example mm-hmm. to follow. And for this film, they went for Paul Sheldon used to write for a living. Now he's writing to stay alive. Yeah, that's again beautifully simple. Beautifully simple. And what do we, what would what did we think of the trailer, Pascal? I mean, again, it's it's one of those films where they really have to be careful about giving too much away. And I think they just about managed to create a trailer which had an example of the of the sort of suspense and the tension that the film has, but they don't blow the plot. 
I think they sort of suggest that one of the, the, the scariest moments, the hobbling scene, which mm. that's all that's all I'm going to say about it, the <laughs> hobbling scene. Um, it's hinted at in the trailer, but not blown. But I think they probably did take it as far as they could do without ruining the plot for people. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it all, it all worked very well. And I would imagine Rob Reiner had a, a say in that because all his work is so focused on the people element. In fact, to my knowledge, he's not done any other... Would you say this is a horror film? I don't think he's done any one, uh, another scary film to that degree uh, since. Uh, that's not to uh, discredit him. It's just, obviously, he's such a multi-talented and multifaceted storyteller. But this infamous hobbling scene, which uh, is quite something, was voted the 12th scariest scene by the Bravo TV channel in 2004. Now, that's interesting. Now, here's a piece of information you might not know, Pascal, a pub fact for you. Mm-hmm. Stephen King did actually write a series of books under a pseudonym for quite a while. He, he wrote books under the um, pseudonym of Richard Batchman. Uh, 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 the Long Walk is one of them, and The Running Man is another one oh, that he right. wrote under the pseudonym of Richard Batchman. And one of the reasons he wrote under the pseudonym was, A, he wanted to see whether he could write a book under a different name, and it was it would be equally successful just to prove to himself that it wasn't just now his name selling books. And secondly, he published books that weren't really horror stories under that pseudonym, so they were more just suspense or, um, in the case of The Running Man, that was more like a futuristic science fiction-style series. And Misery was going to be a Richard Batchman book, but he got outed uh, before it was published. <laughs> and when it was published, it then got published under Stephen King's name. And that's probably the reason why it isn't actually a horror film, because it was originally going to be published under his pseudonym. Oh, absolutely. I, I didn't know that at all. But um, yeah. I bet he's pleased this happened. Oh, because, yeah. <laughs> um, we started by saying that this may be the finest adaptation of a Stephen King book. So I'm going to ask you the question just as we close this episode of Two Geeks of Martin podcast. Is it to you the best one or is there another one that you favour? It's difficult, Pascal, because well, let's let's be honest. There are some absolute clunker um, versions <laughs> of um, Stephen King films out there. I'm, I, uh, is it better than The Shining? It it might be. I, I do sometimes find The Shining to be a very long, overlong film. I I might put The Shawshank Redemption slightly above this film, but that really isn't a horror film. I think for a suspense movie undoubtedly this is the best Stephen King adaptation, I would probably say. Mm, actually, I would agree with you in terms of suspense. Otherwise, you go into other genres, such as sci-fi and horror and kind of things. And back to your point, the simplicity of one central venue, the bedroom where James Khan's character is being kept captive, and then the performance of, of Annie. And maybe this a lesson for all of us, temptation, and I'd be the first one to fall for that, of overproducing, overcomplicating your storytelling, when in fact, uh, here you have it, you know. And this was the Oscar-winning film for Kathy Bates, but also the only Stephen King adaptation to ever be, A, dominated, let alone winning an Oscar as well. So, yes, superb selection once again for film marketing, Roger. Fantastic. Really enjoyed talking about that one, Pascal. 
Absolutely. Well, this is the end of the recording for episode 54 of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much for your support. Please leave your comments, suggestions, and more in the usual places. I was Pascal Fintoni, and he was Roger Edwards. Until the next one, go out there and make sure your marketing is done right. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.